I was distributing communion a few years ago here at Royal Redeemer and uh, distributing the bread with the word of God and um, someone I know very well who has a good deep Christian faith and has a good understanding of communion came up and I gave the bread and the word and as soon as I did their response was yes and it was awesome it was appropriate there was nothing um, inappropriate about that response because they really understood what was happening more than just a remembrance Christ for you. Yes, when you come forward and receive the bread and wine, the body and the blood, here is Christ for you. More than just a meal of remembrance, more than just some sort of religious thing we do. It's the deliverance of God's goodness to you in Holy Communion. And that's what we'll talk about for the rest of our time here this afternoon. We're in a short two-week sermon series called Gestures of God's Love, Understanding the Sacraments. And last week, Pastor Tim did a great job talking about our first sacrament, Holy Baptism. And today we'll uncover Holy Communion right from God's Word, what it is, what it does, and who it's for. What it is, what it does, and who it's for. Our text is a little bit of an expansion on what Christina, Christina just read. Uh, we'll take it from um, the account according to Dr. Luke in the 22nd chapter, verses 14 through 20, and reads as follows. When the hour came, Jesus and his apostles reclined at the table, and he said to them, I have eagerly desired to eat this Passover with you before I suffer. For I tell you, I will not eat it again until it finds fulfillment in the kingdom of God. After taking the cup, he gave thanks and said, Take this and divide it among you, for I tell you, I will not drink again from the fruit of the vine until the kingdom of God comes. And he took the bread and gave thanks and broke it and gave it to them, saying, This is my body given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same way, after supper, he took the cup, saying, This cup is a new covenant in my blood which is poured out for you. May it please God that we would benefit from the reading of his holy word this morning. Let's come together in prayer. Father, we want to understand what this is. It is Christ for us. Well, where does it say that and what does that mean? Let us clearly understand um, what this holy communion is, this beautiful gift that you've given to the church. Um, Let us enjoy it and celebrate it and uh, be grateful that you have given it to us. Because I think as we understand fully what it means, there will be no other response except to be grateful. And may the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be pleasing in your sight, my Lord, my rock, and my redeemer. And we pray this in Christ's name, and together we all say, amen. Point number one this morning, a bit of a review from last week. Pastor Tim touched on that, uh, but let's talk about it again. Both um, Holy Communion and Baptism are sacraments. They're sacraments. Well, what that means is there's three components to being a sacrament. First of all, Jesus instituted a sacrament. In other words, he's the one who told us to do it. It employs common elements. In baptism, it employs water, a common element. In Holy Communion, it employs or uses bread and wine, common elements. And the third component is that it delivers the full benefits of Jesus' death and resurrection to us in that moment. It's a delivery system. We'll talk about that a lot more. When you are baptized, Christ is being given to you. When you come up and receive the bread and wine, the body and blood, Christ is being given to you. So so much more than a memorial thing or a religious act, Christ is being given to you in this beautiful holy meal. We get um, all the definitions of the sacrament in the Matthew account of what I just read. We just read it from, from Luke, but Matthew writes it this way. While they were eating, Jesus... Okay, he's the one who instituted it. He's the one who said we should do it. Took bread, a common element. And when he had given thanks, he broke it and gave it to his disciples, saying, take and eat, this is my body. Then he took the cup, 
the wine, another common element. And when he had given thanks, he gave it to them, saying, Drink from it, all of you. This is the blood of the covenant, which is poured out for many, and then look here, for the forgiveness of sins. The full benefit of Christ's death and resurrection on the cross is given to you in Holy Communion for the forgiveness of of sins. I want to talk about this briefly too. There is a connection between Holy Communion and the Passover. There's a connection between Holy Communion and the Passover from the Luke account that we just read um, just before the verses that we read, Luke 22, 7 through 8. Then came the day of unleavened bread on which the Passover lamb had to be sacrificed. Jesus sent, uh, sent Peter and John saying, go and make preparations for us to eat this Passover. So Jesus institutes the, pass, uh, the Holy, Holy Communion at Passover, at the Feast of Unleavened Bread. And let's talk about what Passover is briefly. The children of Israel, Old Testament Hebrews, they're in uh, custody. They're in slavery in Egypt, right? Remember, Moses goes to Pharaoh, let my people go back and forth. There's a, a tug of war. There's plagues coming and, and, and judgment on the land. And finally, God says to Moses, I will send the angel of death over Egypt, and he will kill every firstborn son in every household. But as for you, my people, my children, I want you to slaughter a perfect lamb, a lamb without blemish, and cook and eat the meat, but take the blood and, and, and smear it over the doorposts of your houses. That way, when the angel of death comes to kill, he will see the sacrifice that's already been made through the lamb, and he will pass over your house, and your house will be saved." Jesus is our perfect sacrifice, the Lamb of God, whose blood was shed, so that death now passes over us. And Jesus institutes Holy Communion on the weekend of Passover. God said, since this has happened, you Jews, you my people, celebrate this every year, the, the Feast of Unleavened Bread, the Passover. Jesus institutes Holy Communion at the Passover because he is now showing them and us, I am the sacrificial lamb. I am the lamb of God. Didn't his cousin John the Baptist call him that? Look, behold, the lamb of God who has come to take away the sins of the world. And interesting that um, God allowed the Passover, the original Passover, to happen before the children of Egypt were delivered from slavery. And Jesus institutes the Holy Communion before he actually goes to the cross, before we are delivered from the slavery of sin and death. So I want to just touch on Passover there a little bit because the connection is uh, profound and important. All right, so let's really dig into what Holy Communion is and what it does. Holy Communion is a means of grace. Jamie used that term. That's a church father term that we still use today because it's so important. It's a means of grace. God has chosen to use both Holy Communion and baptism as a delivery system of giving us the full benefits of Christ's death and resurrection to us in that moment, in that act, through those elements and through the word. It's a delivery system. It's a conveyor belt or a pipeline or a wire or a freeway truck delivering you stuff. I've never used the pneumatic system at a bank drive through Anybody use those? That Yeah, you get the, I call it the pill, it, you get it and you open it up and then you put your stuff in it and, and then somehow it goes to the lady inside and she gets your stuff and opens it up and deals with it and then she gives you good stuff, she gives you money and, it, and then it comes back out to your car and there it is. Okay, I don't think it's too irreverent to call a holy, a holy communion that because God is giving us good stuff in Holy Communion. It's a delivery system. It's not the actual pill that you get out of that thing that excites you. It's what, what is in it. There's valuable stuff in it. The same thing with Holy Communion. There's no benefit to coming up and getting a little wafer and a little bit of wine, but it's what's in it. You are getting Christ in this holy act. When you come forward, the full benefit of Christ on the cross is being given 
to you. Worship leaders like to say, and I've said it in our musical time of worship, it's emotional and we feel close to God and drawn close. And we'll say something like, let's just be taken to the foot of the cross. And that's okay. I won't really quibble with doing that. I've done it myself. But the real biblical way to be taken to the foot of the cross is in the sacraments, is in baptism and holy communion. This is Christ being given to us. You are receiving forgiveness of sins through this means of grace, through this delivery system, through this pneumatic tube, which delivers it to you mysteriously in Holy Communion. So if you are tired, come to communion. Christ is here for you. If you are wrestling with guilt, come and receive Christ for you. If you are wrestling with temptation, come. Christ will strengthen you in Holy Communion. If you need encouragement, come and receive the gifts. It's a means of grace. It's delivering the full benefits of Christ's death and resurrection to you. That's why we went to great lengths during the pandemic, um, delivering Holy Communion in a drive through fashion. We couldn't be together physical, physically, but it was so important for us to deliver Holy Communion because it's much more than just a thing. It's giving Christ to people. So I only got a chance to do it once up here on the hill, and thank God when I did it, the weather was great. Um, but Pastor Zardi would have stories about being in the rain and the blowing wind, and we had to be careful because the wafers were blowing off the thing, and it, Pastor Tim did it, Pastor Alex did it while we were here. We wanted to make sure that people had the opportunity to come and receive Christ for you in the bread and the wine, in the body and the blood. Number four for us today, in Holy Communion, God gives us forgiveness of sins, he gives us life, and he gives us salvation. That's what you're getting in Holy Communion. You're getting forgiveness of sins, life, and salvation. Um, I realize this is a bit of a technical talk this morning, if we can, if we can call it that. Um, we're really teaching solid theology and doctrine, and much of this is coming from Luther's small catechism. Some of you know exactly what this is. Some of you have no idea what I'm talking about. Martin Luther was the German monk that God used in the 1500s to reform the church to bring us back to the Bible. And Martin Luther knew that it was so important that we understand the basics of our faith that he wrote a book of questions and answers. It's a simple book. It's called A Small Catechism. It's grown over the years as uh, some of the wise church fathers have added um, truths to it from the Bible. But uh, much of what I'm telling you today comes right from this. If you're interested, and you should be, frankly, I, have, I did my best to scrounge up five. I know it's not a big number. Five whole small catechisms. They're still in the shrink wrap. They're in my office. I've got to run out of here to get to the other service. But if you'd like one, please take one. My office is over there. If you can't find it, ask somebody. They're right on the corner of my desk in shrimp, shrink, rack, shrimp, shrink wrap. Take one. Open it, read the questions and answers, talk about it with your family, understand communion and baptism and the Lord's Prayer and our, the Apostles' Creed and the Ten Commandments. And if we run out, I apologize. Um, they're, they're 10 bucks or 15 bucks on Amazon. If you, if you can't afford it, talk to one of us. We'd be happy to get one in your hands. But the reason I'm, I'm making such a big deal out of this is because I'm going to quote a couple things from Luther's small catechism. And in the area where we talk about God giving us the forgiveness of sins and life and salvation, right from Luther's small catechism, he writes, the forgive, forgiveness of sins which Christ won when he suffered in his body on the cross and shed his blood to redeem us is now promised in his body and blood given to us to eat and to drink. So we just explained the means of grace, and here it is, God using these sacraments to deliver all the goodness that God, Jesus achieved for us on the cross. Number five, the Bible teaches that Christ's body and blood are present in the bread and the wine. This is a holy mystery. 
1 Corinthians 10.16 is one of the many places that talk about this in the Bible, and it's clear. Paul writes this, Is not the cup of thanksgiving for which we give thanks a participation in the blood of Christ? And is not the bread that we break a participation in the body of Christ? This is Paul about what Holy Communion is. Jesus says in the institution of Holy Communion, this is my body, this is my blood. And what a beautiful thing that our Lutheran confessions um, are straight shooters. Our confessions are the writings of what we believe the Bible says. And as Lutherans, we believe our confessions when they say, when God says something, we go, okay. When Jesus says, this is my body, we go, okay. When he says, this blood, uh, this wine is my blood, we go, okay. We don't fully understand the mystery of it. Clearly, when you come forward and take the bread in your mouth, it tastes like bread. It doesn't taste like human flesh. When you take the wine, it tastes like wine. It doesn't taste like blood. But somehow, mysteriously, because God says so, he has promised it. His body and blood are present in those things so that we are partaking in, uh, not partaking in the sacrifice, but receiving the benefit of his sacrifice in holy communion. Number six, I know we're moving quickly, but we've got a lot to cover today. We worthily, that's a hard word, right? We worthily receive the Lord's Supper. So when you come forward, you are worthily receiving it when we believe Jesus' promise that his body and blood are given and shed for you for the forgiveness of sins. So how do you worthily receive Holy Communion? When you believe Jesus' promise that his body and blood are present, given and shed for you for what? The forgiveness of sins. Luther's small catechism, one more time. He writes, the essential way to prepare for the Lord's Supper is to believe Jesus' promise that his body and blood are given and shed for you for the forgiveness of sins. And then Martin Luther goes on to say, therefore consider and read yourself into the word you, that, you may not, uh, that uh, he may not speak to you in vain. In other words, if you are wrestling with Christ's personal presence in your life, this is a personal um, appointment with Christ in this beautiful sacrament. The psalm writer David understood a nearness to God that he embraced. Psalm 32, 7. You are my hiding place, he writes. You will protect me from trouble and surround me with songs of deliverance. A real closeness. God was for him. For him. Asaph was another uh, psalm writer. He writes in Psalm 73, But as for me, it is good for me to be near God. I have made the sovereign Lord my refuge. If you want to be near Christ... Several ways to do it. One of them is to be in his word. Another one is to come forward and receive holy communion. It is Christ for you. When you hear the people distributing communion, take and eat, this is my body, given for you. Think of your name in that, a personal relationship with Christ in this holy meal. Let the nearness of holy communion be real to you. You may not sense it emotionally. Um, It's not an emotional thing. I mean, there can be an emotional, yes, reaction, but maybe it's the least emotional part of our service. It's not about feelings. It's about truth. It's about Jesus' promise that he is in those things and rejoice that he is for you and that he is with you. This is especially important for people struggling with their faith. We have seasons of faith. Sometimes we feel very, very near to God. And sometimes we feel very distant. If you feel very distant, this is exactly what you need. It's not our way clawing back to God somehow. It's Christ coming to us in his promise that he is here in this meal, this holy communion, these special times. I grew up in uh, this church in, in the, the old um, 
traditional services when we didn't have contemporary services. And almost every time we would have communion, we'd sing this precious old hymn, and I'll show you a couple of the lyrics in a moment. Um, it's old English because it was translated from the original German into kind of old English. But the words are so rich, and it speaks to exactly what is going on in Holy Communion. And the hymn goes like this, I come, O Savior, to thy table, for weak and weary is my soul. Thou bread of life alone art able to satisfy and make me whole. And the refrain sings, Lord, may thy body and thy blood be for my soul the highest good. There's 18 verses to this song. I won't show you all 18, but let me show you one more. And this is really um, reminding us how it is that we are to look at our sin and what God is washing away from us through Holy Communion as it delivers the goods from the cross. Oh, let me loathe, let me hate all sin forever as death and poison to my soul that I through willful sinning never may see thy judgment take its toll. Lord, may thy body and thy blood be for my soul the highest good. So the Bible talks more about Holy Communion and actually talks about the dangers of receiving it in an unworthy manner. It's interesting. Paul writes a lot about this, so we take our time. And we understand what Holy Communion is, what it does, and who it's for, how it should be received. So let's take a couple minutes to talk about who it is that should receive Holy Communion. Not as a way of restricting, but just as a way of following biblical principles. And maybe the best way to understand who it's for is to understand who should not come forward to receive Holy Communion. And the first one is that you should not come forward and receive Holy Communion if you're not a Christian or you're not baptized. God, Christ gave Holy Communion to his church, to his baptized church. If you're on the road to baptism, great. Be patient once you're baptism, baptized. Um, Holy communion is for you. But if you're not a Christian, if you don't believe these things, and if you're not baptized, you ought not because the Bible is clear. You can actually take Holy communion in an uh, inappropriate way that actually brings you harm. So we're careful about that. Um, secondly, don't take Holy communion if you're not able to examine yourself. This means infants. We don't give communion to infants. They can't think about who they are. We don't give it to the very young um, we don't give it to people who have not received proper instruction to understand exactly who they are and who Christ is and what is happening in Holy Communion. We don't give it to people who are unconscious. We would like to because there's a great benefit in Holy Communion, but they, they aren't thinking right now. They are not able to examine themselves. 1 Corinthians 11.28, everyone ought to examine themselves before they eat of the bread and drink of the cup. Next, um, you should not receive communion if you are openly ungodly and unrepentant, living contrary to God's word. So we need to squirm a little bit here this morning. Um, if you um, don't hate your sin, <laughs> if you don't wish you weren't a sinner, if you celebrate your sin, if you know God's word clearly but think you know better, and that's an old antiquated book for another time, it really doesn't apply to me, and you're living in a way contrary to God's word, um, willfully sinning, unrepentant, not broken over your sin, this isn't for you. Um, this is a meal for those who are repentant. This, I'm, when I say that, I'm not talking about people who um, are wrestling, wrestling with temptation and hate when they give into it and seek repentance and have a heart after God and wish they wouldn't. Then this meal is totally for you. But if you're out celebrating sin 
or as I said earlier, someone who doesn't really agree that the Bible teaches clearly a way of living and are living in that sin, this isn't for you because the Bible says you can take it to your own, to your own damnation, the Bible says. Uh, you ought not take communion um, if you're unforgiving or unwilling to reconcile. Why would that be? Well, forgiveness of sins, which is delivered to you in a holy communion, is for people who are forgiving and willing to reconcile. It says so in Matthew 6.15, if you do not forgive others their sins, your Father will not forgive your sins. So if there's something going on where there's unforgiveness or unwillingness to reconcile, then holy communion is not for you. Um, yeah, thanks. I got lost there for a second. Um, so, so let me say this. If uh, at communion today or another time, uh, you do not come forward, awesome. I, I get that there are reasons. And let us all have that heart and that spirit. If someone is not coming up for some reason, let us not look at them and go, <laughs> dealing with sin. Because you are too. They're just in a place where it's not appropriate at this time for them to come forward. I've, I've, I've passed by several times of Holy Communion in my life because I've, just, I've been in arguments with people or my heart wasn't settled or I, I, it wasn't appropriate for me to come forward. And if that's you, God bless you. Stay in your seat. Come forward if you like and make it clear that you're not ready to receive and the attendant will bless you. But in that case, Holy Communion um, is not for you. I'd like to close with a prayer from Luther's small catechism. We'll pray this together. It's a beautiful lead-in to Holy Communion. It's a beautiful prayer of understanding of what it is. So um, let's pray this prayer together out loud. Lord Jesus, I have no worthiness of my own to merit the eating and drinking of your holy body and precious blood. Trusting not in my own righteousness, but only in your promise of the forgiveness of sins, I come to Holy Communion asking for mercy. I want to live alone, always giving thanks for your undeserved blessings, and eventually that I would be brought to praise you forever at your heavenly banquet. Amen. So as we wrap up this morning, a couple of next steps. These are always available at the bottom of your worship outline. If you still have questions about this mystery, because it, there, there is some understanding to it, right? Come and ask. Ask me or Pastor Tim or Pastor John or um, some of our uh, uh, directors of Christian education. They'd be happy to help you through this. Secondly, examine yourself to see if it's appropriate for you to receive Holy Communion. We asked those five questions, and they'll be on the screen again this morning before Holy Communion. It's our way in helping you to um, examine yourself. And number three, leave Holy Communion thankful, like that guy at the beginning. Yes! Rejoice that God has forgiven your sins. That's what this is, delivering the goods, delivering all the benefits of Jesus' death and resurrection at the cross to you in this holy meal. All right, there was a lot, lot there this morning, I know, but let's come together and wrap this up in prayer. The gift that you've given to us, Lord, in Holy Communion is tremendous. Let us handle it carefully, but with great joy. Not fearful uh, in a strange way, but understanding that you have given um, to us the way that it ought to be um, appreciated. So let us examine ourselves. Let us come forward and appreciate this holy meal and receive the full benefits of it. The benefits of Christ's finished work on the cross are ours to enjoy and to benefit from. For this, we're grateful, Lord, because we, we leave the communion table um, clean and blessed and walking in a direction that glorifies you. 
We give you thanks, and we pray all of this in Jesus' precious name. Together we all say, amen.